The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esport betting site. Log on today to bet on all your favorite esports titles at the simple click of a button. Choose your game, choose your team, earn Unicorns, and who knows, maybe you'll earn enough to enter to win any number of fabulous prizes, such as Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins in their marketplace. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Internet. This is Chase Retcher King Wassenaar. I am a free agent head coach and analyst, as well as a contributor at Slingshot Esports. And welcome to the North American Summer Finals edition of the Rough Drafts Guest of the Lions podcast. It has been an incredibly fun split in North America. There were two teams that just dominated throughout the regular season. One of them did their job this past week, and one of them found their way back into the third place match for the second split in a row, which also led to a familiar rivalry that we have in this finals. North America just finds a way to pit TSM, CLG, and Cloud9 against each other year after year. That is just the law of the land. And I am going to break it all down today with my good friend and co-host, Walter C80's Fetchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I mean, it's another season, another split ended, another finals for TSM. It's a great, great stretch to be a TSM fan. You know, one of the few teams in the world that have never missed the world championship. All six of them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't complain. It works for me. Yeah, congratulations. And in fact, if Fnatic doesn't qualify, you will be the only ones. They're the only team holding you back, man. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Or in, in other words, be thankful that Riot decided to take lane swaps out because as Kelsey Moser's article proved yesterday, that is basically the only reason Fnatic was where they were, which is a debate for another day. We're here to talk about how these North American teams got here. And in this lane swap meta, we thought that Immortals would start really holding their own, that Huni would go on and be a legend we took them at minus one and a half last week, despite what Steve told us to do. And we were wrong. We were very wrong. Cloud9 came through, took the series. Walter, what was your first reaction when this series finally wrapped itself up? I feel like, I feel like Immortals are pretenders. Yeah. That was, that was my first thought. It was like, man, I can't believe we got sucked into this. <laughs> um, yeah, I... It just feels like there was a drop off amongst um, amongst Huni, amongst uh, Wild Turtle, and amongst Adrian. Like they just don't seem to be playing as well. Um, and even like over the course of this season, there have been moments where like Huni's looked really, really poor, and and Wild Turtles look really, really poor. And I just I, I I keep wondering why on earth do do Immortals pick Lissandra for Huni when he's not very good at the champion. Mm. And he's like actually re- really bad at the champion. And some of their pick band strategy were, were just really, really weird. I mean, I guess when I look at it, I understand they're trying to take it away from Jensen. They're trying to further harm his uh, harm his champion pool. 
But just at the end of the day, he just didn't look great on on anything outside the rumble. I guess even his um even like his gangplank in the in game four was okay. It wasn't anything to like write home about, but he just played really poorly. It feel it felt like Wild Turtle and, and Adrian just were not making as massive an impact as possible. And it really felt like it was on Poe Belter and Rainover to carry the game. And um they just got outplayed. Cloud9 played a hell of a lot better and, and impact and Medios need to be commend be commended for how well they played. Impact was just on fire this entire series. And the fact that he stood up to Hooney was a little bit surprising. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And I, I think that one of the things we do have to mention, right? Because because people will always say, oh, but it was a 3-2 series. Immortals played them very close. You're being way too hard on them. They, you know, Poe Belter had some really great games. Uh, Rainover had some amazing games. Hooney- I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you right there. We're being too hard on a team that has lost what? Five games in the last two years. Well, this is my this is where I was getting. The problem is Immortals is 33 and 3 if you just look at series wins and losses over spring and summer. They were 17 and 1 in the spring, 33 and 10 in the summer. That is 50 and 11. That is over an 80% win rate. They are dominant. They have been tearing the league up ever since they arrived. And yet somehow. Anytime a playoff series comes into effect, we have to just ignore all of it because suddenly the picks and bands that were going very well for them start falling flat. And I will say this. If you're picking Lissandra because you're trying to eliminate Jensen's champion pool, maybe remember the fact that you didn't ban Syndra, you know, the thing that single-handedly beat you just a few games prior. I don't understand how this Immortals coaching staff is making some of these just very simple mistakes. You know, something like picking the Kennen in the second rotation in game three. Like, look, if you pick Kennen, they're going to be able to pick a composition that directly counters it. And they did. There, there was tanks and all these things that you were never going to be able to shred through. And Kennen was useless. I, you know, honestly, I think they got lucky when Impact stopped playing Nar in Game 4 for reasons I will never understand. He was so dominant on the champion. But at the same time, it really comes down to this team looked ill-prepared. Hooney was exactly what we thought he was going to be. When he's good, he's great. When he's bad, he's tilting off the face of the earth. Wild Turtle and Adrian, on the other hand, that's where the real disaster came in. If you're going to beat Cloud9, your bot lane has to be able to keep up. And you can say that the lane swap being eliminated kind of revealed some flaws that were maybe hiding underneath the surface. But of all the people in the series, people will draw attention to Huni because he's the bigger name. And, you know, when he had bad games, he had bad games. Some of those Riven teleports were some of the silliest things I've ever seen. But Wild Turtle was the worst player on the Rift this series. And it wasn't particularly close. Even in the games they won, he didn't look great. I don't understand what changed with him, whether it's just the fact that he's having to play these utility 80 carries and so he doesn't feel as comfortable as he usually does. But again, 
That could have been fixed by pick and ban. If that's the problem, Lucian still exists. Tristana still exists. We have seen other 80 carries. It doesn't have to be the gins and the ashes if it's going to be a problem, but it was a problem. It was a genuine problem. And when your bot lane is failing and your pick and ban just looks atrocious, you're not going to beat a veteran team like Cloud9 that has it all together. And that's really the other side of this coin that we need to look at, which is the Cloud9 played very great series from start to finish. For all the things we could say about Immortals, you know, Ranover and Pobelter still played very well in almost every game. And Cloud9 just managed to outplay them almost across the board in some of these games. What did we see from Cloud9 that really had them taking a step forward from what we'd seen even against Envious, where they had a, a loss that we had had some criticisms mm. of. I mean, it was just improvement from from Impact uh, and Medios. There was just really they were really good at peeling in team fights because Medios and, and Impact were able to get so far ahead. Mm -hmm. um, they really dove well. They just really communicated well together. They were able to dive well together. They were able to peel well together. They were able to get into the back line together. Like Medios and Impact played exceptionally well, and this was probably the best they've played together over the course of the entire season. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, I don't think there were there was any massive improvements. I think that was just enough for them to get past Immortals and you know and just get past them. It was a five game series. Like I don't think Jensen like played any better or any worse than he's played all season. He's been a very, very, you know, exceptional mid laner and, you know, top top three in North America. Mm -hmm. Um he handled himself very well against Pobelter. They both sort of tried to uh, play safe in lane, only go for kills when they had, you know, backup, roam fairly effectively. And then Sneaky and Smoothie were Sneaky and Smoothie. Sneaky, you know, conceded a lot of the lading phase, but when it got time to team fight and when, when uh, Medios and other teammates came down to gank for him, they were exceptional in those, those skirmishes. So I, I really don't think this series taught us anything new about Cloud9. It just did show that, you know, Impact is... Not a not a corpse that they're propping up in top lane. That he actually is a League of Legends player, uh, and he can play pretty effectively well. And I think it bodes well for them uh, moving on into into the finals, into the gauntlet, if he can keep up that level of play. Yeah, and it is funny that you you talk about impact here because if you listen to the interviews that he's done this week, it is very clear that he has listened to us and other analysts like us who have been criticizing him all season long. And has that edge in him where he wants to prove us wrong. He wants to be the one that goes in there and shows that he can be the best top laner in North America and that he's still got plenty left in the tank. And he was playing like it. He's playing like a guy with that edge to him. And it's awesome to see. Honestly, this is, you know, when we criticize players, it's usually because at the end of the day, we believe that they are capable of getting better and want them to get back to that level. There are very few players that you can just give up on so early in a season or whatever and just acknowledge, yeah, they have no talent. If they had no talent, they wouldn't be in the league in the first place 99% of the time. Impact has had moments of brilliance over the last two years, but it's been very hit or miss. And this was a series in which he hit every single game. And he did it against Hooney, a guy that puts out constant pressure and who gives a ton of reasons that, you know, would give a lot of top laners fits. And he stayed calm. He stayed collected. And he did everything he needed to do. 
I want to give note to one thing that I do think really took a step forward for Cloud9 in this series, and that was vision control, which is really important because TSM is the best vision control team in North America. I'm convinced of this after the way they just dismantled CLG in that regard. It wasn't particularly close just how much of an impact they held over the map. But Cloud9 hasn't always played that way. In fact, for a lot of the season, Meteos was so gank-heavy that their vision was among the lowest teams in the league because they felt like they could get away without having those types of wards. But against a team like Immortals that has Rainover and has Huni, has so many different aggressive style of champions, they understood that they needed to put a lot more emphasis into both getting wards placed and clearing them. And you saw Smoothie and Meteos take significant steps forward in that regard. And to me, that's one of those things where if I look at, you know, can a team surprise me in the next round? Can they continue to step forward and evolve and be one of the three teams that are still fighting for those two final world spots? That's a huge advancement to me. That is an evolution of the Cloud9 game that is beyond just impact took a step up in a huge way. That is a systematic improvement. And Reaper deserves a lot of credit for that. Reaper is a guy that we've talked about for a while as a potential coach of the year style candidate. And he had, a, you know, that that is a very Reapered thing to add to a team. That kind of focus on vision and making sure that it was very precise, decisive objective control. The games that Cloud9 won, it felt like they were in control basically the entire game. Even when they were behind in gold, it felt like they had a plan and were executing it. And the games that Immortals won, they won the same way that Immortals always wins, which is just they got an early lead and they never looked back. But Cloud9, at least to me, showed that they now have a plan. They have the ability to execute. And they have enough talent to make it interesting. Of course... Interesting is the only word I could use because on the other end, we predicted the 3-0 for TSM. That smart money bet did come through. So we ended up making you guys $65 overall last week. Thanks, Riot. Yeah. I Appreciate the help there. Let's start with that because there are going to be some people who are salty about that Aurelian soul van. Do you genuinely believe at the end of the day that we'd have a different result? if Aurelian Soul had been let through for the entire series. CLG might have won game one. I I don't think they would have, but they might have. And it could have changed the outcome of the series, but no, I don't think so. That that series showed that TSM was definitively the best team on the split. They had the five best players on the split. And, and let me be honest, and other people have said this, and I, I feel the same way. This isn't me coming as a TSM fan. I... You want the TSM fan view? Let me just say that. Haha, ha, suck it, CLG. You lost. We're in the finals. There you go. There's my <laughs> TSM fanboy thing. As a as a analyst, as a pundit, as someone who watches these games and talks about it for you good people to enjoy, if you are so focused on having one champion or having one strategy, as both Hotshot and Aphromu in different interviews they had kind of pointed towards, they're like, yeah, Aurelian Soul is like a huge part of our strategy. If you are so dependent on one thing to be a major part of your strategy that if that one thing is banned out on you, you completely fall apart, that is a flaw in your preparation and that is a flaw in your in, in how you view the game. So you guys lost. Stop making excuses. 
Maybe you would have won a game with Aurelian Soul, but on the Rift, you did not look like the better team, and you did not deserve to win that series. And especially if you only had one strategy prepared, shame on you. That is completely disrespectful. Yeah, and for the record, the answer would have been that TSM, if you really would have pulled it off, which I'll be real here, who he has played Aurelian Soul very well, but his win rate is not overwhelmingly impressive on the champion. Certainly not compared to someone like Fly in Korea who has had far more success in a similar size of sample games. But if, you know, let's face it, they could have just banned out Aurelian Soul and you would have been in the exact same situation. Like, they didn't, you know, in, in one of these games... Yeah, but then, then the argument is then, oh, well, then maybe Ash gets through whatever. Yeah, Ash got I... through game one. Guess what? They didn't even pick it. Like, so Ash getting banned meant nothing. That that is yeah. not that is not a difference maker for any team. Ash gets through all the time. That would have been an Aurelian Soul ban instead of an Ash ban, and we'd have, be talking about the exact same thing. As one redditor put it, you know the the, the top comment, and, and I I do not like quoting Reddit as a general, but this was quite funny. Uh, user last crescendo, riot DLG so hard with the Aurelian Soul ban, they would have gotten more than one dragon this series. That's what it is. You got one dragon the entire series. Shut up. I, I don't want to hear it. If, you're, if your best case scenario is if Aurelian Soul is banned, we can't find a way to grab a single dragon off the map with the exception of game three in which they traded it for a Baron. I, I don't want to hear your excuses. I, to me, I, I go with the Thorin theory of this exposed a huge flaw and a team that had quite a few of them over the regular season. And, you know, let's get down to the actual nitty-gritty here because, you know, we can argue Aurelian Soul, no Aurelian Soul for forever. We're never going to be able to prove that who he could not have done something with the champion in Game 1. But we can say that he likely would have been banned in Games 2 and 3 because if it had somehow been successful. And we do have plenty of games in which... CLG did have to play without Aurelian Soul. So in that sense, Walter, what did we see from CLG here that we need to keep in mind when they're going up against Immortals in this third place match? Um, nothing. They looked like <laughs> They looked um, like I, let, Let's be honest. They looked awful. They looked absolutely awful. I guess in game three, they were able to, to get out and they were able to execute, you know, some rotations pretty well and they were able to get the first tower. Um, but they just were out farmed just so blatant, like blatantly out farmed and out controlled in the early game that it really didn't matter what, whatever, you know, macro decision-making they might have. Darshan has not gotten back to his spring form and his, in his summer of last year form. He just isn't. Um, what he got on the NAR, like the NAR was okay in lane was okay in team fights like he's not effectively peeling like i feel bad that the best player on this team might be smithy man smithy might be the most consistent and the best player on this team over the course of the entire season and when you're saying smithy is your best player like i get the dude is definitely improved from where he was in season four but i that's not good when you have Darshan on your team, who is your superstar, who is the guy that you said we are comfortable kicking double lift off the team because we have Darshan. 
I mean, and we have Aphromoo. Yeah, I was going like, to say, I think Aphromoo's very mad at you that you're giving X Smithy more credit than he did. Because Aphromoo, for everything that these series were, he played, he was basically the initiator of most of their best moments. I think that Aphromoo had his bard band out, and for good reason. He was <laughs> the only one that really drew a targeted ban, other than maybe, I guess the Olaf ban was targeted towards X Smithy, which was weird. Yes. But. I you know I I don't think that X Smithy's Olaf was that scary when we saw it in the regular season, but who knows it's, what they saw on scrims? It, yeah, I I don't think it was a scary thing. I think it was more of they just didn't want to deal with the um, with Ragnarok. I, I literally think that was it. Is they just didn't want to have to deal with Ragnarok. And CLG does run a very effective like rushdown composition yeah. when they get the Olaf. Like they'll they'll highly prioritize Sivir and Karma, um, and then go with the Olaf. And it's not something that Sven Skarin is very good at. Svenskeren is a very poor Olaf player, so it's not like they can pick it away from them. Um, so it just it was banning out just another strategy that CLG had with one ban. Yeah. Just getting rid of the Olaf. And, and that's the main story of CLG is that you can get rid of an entire strategy with a ban. That's that's how it works now. You get rid of Bard, oh, crap, we have no other ability to hard engage because Aphromoo is the only guy on our team who consistently hard engages well. Uh, you get rid of the Olaf, well, there goes our entire rundown plan. Because if we got Sivir and Karma, that apparently still would not be enough to do a rundown plan. And, you know, Aurelian Soul, I guess that is, a, you know, a composition style in and of himself to a certain extent. But there should be other ways for you to roam and do team fighting that Aurelian Soul maybe does better than others. But, you know, people have pointed out, you know, Talia should be played about the same way in terms of roaming up to lanes, trying to get, you know, stuns or isolating teams. It's a different style, but very similar in terms of the role they play within the team. And is Talia sucked. So, I, I, I mean, I don't know. To, to me, this is a team where I think they have a very good support in Aphromoo. I think they have a good jungler in Smithy. Darshan at least showed some signs of life in Game 2 on the Echo, but it still wasn't anywhere close to where Hauntzer is. I don't see him doing very well against Huni, unless Huni implodes in on himself. But as we saw last year, the third-place game seems to be the one that Immortals puts their all into. Whoa, 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 okay. The series against Cloud9, Immortals put their all into that. Let's not, like, that... Saying comparing the Cloud9 Immortal series from this year is the split to the TSM Immortals series from last split is not anywhere close to the same. Well, I, I mean, it's not anywhere close to the same. Let's, see, let's we say not, that, but let's not kid ourselves. The pick and there. ban, in my opinion, was just as egregious as it was last time. I, I think if we're looking at, I'm sorry, I didn't realize they picked Lucian top lane in this series. Okay, Lucian top lane is going Don't to be an obvious outlier and that is the thing that everyone remembers but games two and three were just as poorly read as far as where the meta was and i think this is something that we can now say about immortals and the reason i make the comparison is because this is the second time in a row there was a meta shift right before the playoffs which by the way riot it's a stupid thing to do and stop trying to defend it but it was a meta shift before the playoffs it happened again and their picks and bans did not did not react to that. I do not think that this was a well-prepared team for the semifinals compared to every other team 
and how they were all playing and the champions they prioritized. I think one of the casters even mentioned it's like they were playing off of an entirely different list. And you know why? Because they were. They were playing off of an entirely different, slightly outdated list. And, you know, I, I, I'm... I, I, I have to disagree. Okay. I, I have to completely disagree with you. I don't think that they're... I don't think that they're pick banned. And, and you, prior, you, you highlighted games two and three. I don't think they were playing off a different list. Like, I, I, I don't understand. Like, the only champion I look at that they played was maybe the victor. And even Victor, it's control mage mid lane. Like, he still is successful. Like, I, I don't see anywhere in here where there's something so egregious as, you know, constantly playing, uh, you know, 80 carry top lane with Lucian and Graves in, in the spring split and not having the wave clear to deal with, you know, deal with pushing and not having crowd control to deal with team fights. Like, I mean, Riven top points- with only one form of hard CC and Rek'Sai is pretty bad. Can we talk about that? Like... Isn't that a problem? Isn't picking Kennen second rotation and thus giving away your entire strategy while they still have plenty of time to adapt? Isn't that a terrible pick? These, these the- were, I think, counterpicks that Hooney felt comfortable with into those champions. Like, Riven can beat Gangplank early on. It's just, they, she, he didn't get ahead. He was 3-1-3. and three. I don't know how much farther ahead he could have gotten. The champion doesn't work. Like, that, that's the problem, is he did really well in the early to mid game, and then team fights happened, and he couldn't do anything, because that's what Riven does. I, I, I don't know. It, to, to me, even in their victories, I, I don't like the way in which they handled some of these pick and ban phases. Even game five, I thought was, okay, well, you pick that, you pick Lissandra top lane, and I don't know what the heck you're trying to do with that. You pick the the Jin and Trundle Trundle support in this matchup. Who are you going to close in on enough when everyone else on your team is trying to stay far away? I, it, it just didn't make sense. It wasn't cohesive. It wasn't. It wasn't so, what it could have been compared to every other team that was drafting. Say say what you will about CLG's play, and I have plenty of problems with the way that they played that series. But I liked all of their drafts more than I liked all but one of Immortals drafts. I fair. I don't. I don't think. I think Immortals drafting was mediocre. I don't think it was bad. Like I have. I have. I probably have just as many problems with CLG's drafting as I do with with Immortals drafting. In all honesty, and and that's fine. We can agree to disagree on that. I, I will say that I think Rainover and Poe Belter, and even Adrian, at least half of the series, were playing well enough that if they had some smarter picks and bands, if you don't do something like a Riven. If you don't put him on that cannon and make it so easily exposed that early in the draft, mm-hmm. I think Immortals wins this series in four. I, I, I do. I think you can directly attribute the, the way that they played. In the two games that they won, they were so dominant. Game one especially, they were so good at taking early leagues the- and snowballing them that mm-hmm. I refuse to believe that if they hadn't basically handed over two games that they wouldn't have won the series. And I do believe those picks and bans were as egregious as a whole as the Lucian top pick. It's not one particularly bad thing. It's a series of bad choices. And it's something that if I'm Immortals, I'm looking at Dylan and I'm looking at the analysts and I have to ask myself some really tough questions. I this Because, again, patch changes and Immortals do not seem to go very well, especially in the playoffs and the bright lights of the semifinals. I think they're but then but then here's the thing like if they come out and they crush it and they 3-0 CLG in the in the 
third place game. Yeah, like, which for the record is entirely so possible. They need, so they needed an extra. So then they needed an extra week to prepare for it, and who, and then you have to kind of blame the timing of the patches, and you have to yell at Riot some more about okay, well, don't do patches right before freaking playoffs. Sure, I'm just saying that three teams adjusted and one didn't. That's my point. And if I'm Immortals, given how dominant I was in the regular season. If I'm the owner of Immortals, I'm part of that investment group, I'm not satisfied with that answer. I'm just not. I, and, and, you know, maybe that's not giving Cloud9 enough credit. And, and I, will, I will fully admit, Cloud9 won the series. It's not that, you know, it wasn't like Immortals threw, per se. I think they made some bad decisions, but I think, you, you know, you have to capitalize it if you're Cloud9. And Cloud9 did. But both of these teams had a lot of talent on the rift. Uh, with the exception of Wild Turtle, I didn't think anyone was untalented or, or particularly egregious. And even Wild Turtle managed to avoid being so bad as to be an individual loss most of the series. And, and that's why I think they're going to do fine against CLG, because I think CLG has systemic roster issues that are not going to get fixed the way you can fix the Immortal stuff. But Immortals shouldn't have had to fight this hard. They shouldn't have been struggling this much because we saw them play Cloud9 five times in the regular season and they 4-1'd them. Like, this is not... It wasn't like those games were particularly close. This is a team that proved time and time again that they were better than Cloud9 until they started making decisions that put them in a place where they weren't better than Cloud9. And to me, that matters. And I guess to me, I find it more egregious just because of how good they have been and how good I believe they should have been and would have been had they handled some of these moments better. And, you know, I, you're welcome to disagree. I, I, I understand the other uh, side of it. But you know what we can't agree on 100%? TSM's a pretty good team of League of Legends. I think we can say that safely. Oh, man. That's the <laughs> easiest bet you can make, man. <laughs> Can, do you want to? Can I just give you two minutes to do your TSM fan rant about how I, the series was for you? I I don't have anything else to rant about. I've said literally everything I can about this team this split. <laughs> um, man, they're just good. They're good at League of Legends. They're really meshing. Um, I I will say I am worried on the world stage about Svenskeren. Mm. I'm I, just with where the meta is kind of shifting with the Gragas and the Rek'Sai, like, we don't know what champions are about to be played in the jungle position. I know some junglers are, some, you know, Twitter analysts, Dexter, jungler, whatever, pundits. Let's just call us pundits. Mm. Some pundits are like, yeah, it's going to be like Elise, it's going to be Lisa and Rek'Sai, Zach, and then maybe, you know, some Evelyn, maybe Vi, if you want to get really, really crazy. Like, I'm just... I'm not quite sure what his champion pool is with Gragas and Rek'Sai getting nerfed. I'm very worried about that. And he tends to rely on having the tunnels quite a bit to get him out of some precarious situations. Mm -hmm. He's really going to have to shift his play style and really understand his cooldowns because that is a very, you know, it's going up to like 28 seconds at level one. Like it's, it's really a long time that you're going to have without tunnels when you compare it to what the current, live pat with the you know the current playoff patches um you know i will dominate it's come out and said that the the nerf to G, to uh gragas's ultimate is awful 
it is very hard to play with it now, adding that cap, that taking away the instant cast time. While I understand it was necessary for, you know, some of the longer range alts, if you're throwing something right at your feet, it should instantly go off. Like, I completely understand that, and it just, it doesn't work like that anymore. There's now a flat cast time of, like, half a second that you have to adjust to. Um, I'm just, I'm worried about his champion pool. But outside of that, this is a good team. It's a really good team, and... Knowing my luck as just a person in life, we're going to get SKT and like Royal in the first round in our group stage. And we're going to be like, all right, well, good game, guys. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I got to be honest. Awesome. I would TSM versus Royal is a series that I would like for you guys more than you'd think. I, I honestly, I think TSM, and I, I'm aware that this could sound like a jinx, but Reggie did some really great work in the scene this week. So I genuinely am rooting and pulling for them uh, in a way that I'm usually trying to kind of poke you and, uh, and mess with you in this regard. I think this team is really good on a way that will translate well to an international stage. When your worst case scenario is, oh man, Sven Skaren, a guy who's played the game for multiple years, literally a two-time world's player, a guy that has been dominant in multiple different eras and multiple different cha uh, champion pools who single-handedly carried SK Gaming on his back for quite a while. If, if that's your biggest problem, you're doing really well as a team. Doublelift looks amazing. Bjergsen looks amazing. Hauntzer looked like a god this series. And we're losing his best champion. Because Gangplank got the heck nerf nerfed out of Yeah, him. which, you know... Again, he was he that that was that was a that was a that was a that was a mugging what they did to Gangplank. It's very disappointing. But we're gonna get to see Ezreal and Corky for double lift. Like I'm excited. We got the Triforce. The Triforce changes are coming in. Here comes the Triforce eighty carries. It's gonna be great. You know, this this is gonna be a sidebar here. Um, I understand that. Mark Merrill and some of these Riot guys are like, we need to make changes going into Worlds. And it's going to keep things interesting for the fans or whatever else. You just messed with the meta for 6.15 in a way that, as I insinuated here, I, I can, at, at the very least we can agree, had an impact on how Immortals played this week. I think if we go back to the 6.14 meta, I think we see a very different Immortals Cloud Knights. I'd say Impact had more of an impact. That's very true. But that but Impact got to have his traditional lanes, which might not have happened in a previous meta. Um, certainly, uh, TSM proved that you can be great at both. But look, the 6.15 changes, at least you made them before the regional tournaments. And now we're going the 6.17 changes... And you did. You hit Gangplank super hard. You hit Gragas super hard. You hit Jin. Why? Wasn't the whole point of this? Like, well, we're, it's the patch right before Worlds, so we're not going to make too many changes. There were 27 different changes to champions on 6.17. And there will be no one who has played this patch on a competitive field before it goes live and before we play on Worlds. Because I'm 99% positive regionals are being played on 6.16. How do we not learn this lesson? How does this keep happening? Why are we supposed to pretend like this is okay? I hate it. I hate it so much that we're going to have to talk about 
Like, oh, well, now all these champion pools have changed right before the world championship because we couldn't wait an extra couple weeks or freeze the patch for Worlds because I don't know. It's it's just frustrating. I'm I'm so upset by this. But it doesn't matter because your team seems to be able to play in every meta. You did really well in the lane swap meta. You did very well in the uh, lane-dominated meta. This advanced stats that Kelsey Moser pointed out say that you guys do basically equally well when you have lane swaps or not lane swaps. So you guys are going to be just fine. But oh yeah, we we good, we good. Cause I'm not worried. Yeah, we already locked. We already locked in worlds. Like whatever, fine. <laughs> Jack wins another title. Who gives a crap? I do- we won. We won the real war. We got Mark Merrill to. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about it since it's NA focus. Let's take five minutes. Let's talk about it. Did Mark Merrill just have like a, a, a total mental breakdown? Is that what actually all of this is? Like yeah. Reggie tricked him into having a mental breakdown. It was like, ha ha ha, you've activated my trap card. I mean, I'll say this. There are two ways that this happened. Because let's be clear. We went from zero to 60 in this conversation very quickly. So one of two things happened. Either one... Trindamir is quick to anger, which has happened before, and he posted something out of hand that gave Reggie the ability to bring up a discussion that they were planning on saving for the offseason, but you brought it up now, so let's talk about it now, to which Mark inevitably has to put out the PR to say that he's sorry while also smugly patting himself on the back because Trindamir can never truly say sorry. And then Reggie gets to hand him the document LCS forever. I refuse to believe that document was not written in 24 hours. They didn't get like eight teams decided oh, in 24 oh, hours. Let's 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 not kid ourselves. This has been an ongoing discussion that owners have had with Riot for a long period of time, and they just they saw that thing from from Mark, and I guarantee they all messaged each other was like, um, let's burn this down. Yeah, like, now's the time. Screw it. Like, well, here's the other way, though, Walter. And I, I hate to say this, but, you know, we've learned a lot of lessons from the WWE. And wouldn't it be just an amazing storyline if, you know, a league had an owner that fans didn't necessarily like, maybe was controversial, made some outlandish statements so that we could have our typical good guy do a typical good guy thing, and we could have this negative press immediately turn into not only a gripping storyline that keeps all eyes focused on League of Legends right before their regional finals, but also happens to get to the same place they were likely going to get this offseason anyway. I mean, if you're Riot, you couldn't have painted this any better. Because not only was everything focused on you, you then got to bring out your solo queue stuff, the Yorick rework, all of these things that got way more coverage in traditional media than they usually would have because all eyes were on you in the first place. I'm just saying. I don't think they got more coverage. When ABC News is picking up the ESPN story about this going on and is publishing it on their website, I don't think anyone gives a shit about the Yorick rework. Let's let's just be real. Uh, yeah, is there this con- like potential conspiracy of it was like, all right, like everyone already thinks Riot's a bad guy. Let's just go all in, turn him full heel, go AJ Styles on this, 
and have Reggie come in and beat the crap out of him and be the hero. Like, you have yeah, to admit, this, that timeline's a lot more fun than thinking Mark's actually that out of touch with life, the universe. And oh, I just think I just think Riot's just that out of touch with public relations. No, that's I just I honestly think Mark heard that interview, went off the cuff, said some things that he didn't agree with and doesn't or that he believes, but is not necessarily in line with everything else. Like, I truly believe Mark looks at it and goes, oh, we built TSM. Why are they investing in CSGO? Why are they investing in all these other things? Like, we built Cloud9. Why do they have a Dota team? Like, I seriously believe he looks at that and he goes, I'm disappointed in these guys because they were supposed, they're like our flagship organizations and now they're doing things in other other esports and they're spending money in other esports. Like, yeah, I totally think he, he has that feeling. But Mark, baby doll. Come on, dude. They're private companies. Like, you can't tell them how to spend their money. Yeah. You can't. It's uh, You could give them a check for a million dollars and say, okay, Reggie, this is supposed to be for your League of Legends team. And the second he cashes that check, you can do nothing about it. He could spend that million dollars on a golden Porsche for all I care. Yeah. You have no right to tell him what to do after you give him that money. Which, so, for the record, was one of the best parts of the Thorin video he did on. There are so many great videos on it, so I don't want to go too much more into it. But it is the, – the one that gets to me more than all of it, you know, I because the hypocrisy and Riot being out of touch with esports, none of this is news. But the way that they view patches and the way that they – just simply do not care about the competitive integrity of the game. It is so clear, and, and there, you know, I'm not the only pundit saying this, that the reason Riot does things the way that they do things is because they want the ultimate world championship and the finals that people are watching now to as closely resemble what people are going to wa- uh, see when they play the game as possible. That's what they want. Because they don't want people going in and trying to land swap whatever and being confused because it's already confusing enough. That's what they want. And I don't personally agree with that. I hate that Riot seems to be deciding what a skill is uh, while taking a very loose definition and being very narrow-minded in how they apply these kinds of ideas. But that's the Riot that we have. That's who runs this league. That's who decides that 6.17 is a good idea, despite all evidence of the contrary. That's the one that decides 6.15 is a good idea, despite all, everything to the contrary. And if I'm Immortals right now, I'm going to be mad at Riot for doing this patch, and I'm going to be mad at the coach for not adjusting as well as he could have. But I'm going to be way more rad- mad at Riot than I am at the coach. And th- in this instance... I think Immortals got screwed. I really do. And Cloud9 at least got to work out the kinks in their plan. When they lost a game to Envious, that didn't matter. You know, it's Envious. They were so much better on a per-player basis. They got to try things out. They were fine. You you know, Immortals never got that shot. And now they're not going to because they're going to be in a third-place game, which let's talk about this third-place game. Let's get back to actual games. Immortals versus CLG. I think we already made our our points clear about, you know, being disappointed in Immortals, whether you're as disappointed as I am or merely just as disappointed as Walter was. Either way, you don't leave that series feeling happy with Immortals. Do you think that's going to be enough when they face off against CLG this weekend? Oh, yeah. It should be enough. I, I think that they just needed an extra week to prepare for the patch. I think they t- were. T- I think they used the semifinals to test things out 
and realize what works and what doesn't work, and then they're just going to come in, and I think they're going to crush CLG. I don't think CLG is a team that should be going to Worlds. Um, I don't think they're a very com- going to be a very competitive team if they do go to Worlds. So the way I look at it, I f- really feel like Immortals has the, the advantage here. They have the better players all across the board, um, except maybe the support position. I think Afromu is on par with Adrian at his peak. Um, but it just comes down to can they figure out what champions they really do want to play and can they just execute? And part of that is, you know, getting Huni on the on you know champions he's actually good at. This I don't want to see Lissandra on him anymore. I don't want to see him play Lissandra. He is not good at Lissandra. Let's let's stop this. Maybe he was good at it when he was playing on Fnatic, but he is just not good at the champion the last you know four or five times that we've seen him play it. Stop doing it. Or at least if you're gonna do it, you need to give him an additional dive buddy that's not a Talia. You can't have two squishy mages be your only backline assault, like it's just not how it works. I think they need to get him on, on something more bruisery. Um, I get Nar isn't sexy. It's not like, a oh, this is like definitely a Hooney pick. But like, play Echo then. If you really want to play like AP kind of assassin, you play Echo. Yeah. I just, I don't want to see Lissandra anymore. But at the end of the day, Immortals has the five better players on the Rift when they're playing at their peak. So I have, uh, I have Immortals at minus 275. Wow. Okay. You get this one. I went too low. I said Immortals minus 250. It is Immortals minus 323, which is the casinos giving them about a 76% chance to win the series. Which Totally fair. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. And, you know, I'll say this because CLG fans are going to be very upset about that last point. If you look position by position, I think Huni is better than Darshan. I think Rainover is better than Xmithy. I think Pobelter is better than Huhi. Stixa and, and Aphromoo might be better than Wild Turtle and Adrian. The way Wild Turtle played last week, that may be the case. But the problem is that CLG right now has a very clear plan as to what they want to do. And Immortals, TSM just gave you the ban blueprint. Just ban the exact same things and this series is over. That's all you, you gotta do. You don't have to worry about Rillian Soul. Yeah, that's it. It's already done. Just ban the Bard, ban Olaf, call it a day. Don't get tricksy. They, they don't need to ban Olaf though, because both Huni and Rainover can play Olaf. Yeah, just ban. So they don't need to ban Olaf. Just ban it. I I don't think Olaf's that good. No, no, no one else in any of the regions right now where these playoffs are playing it. But again, guys, let's not forget, TSM does this thing where they just pick a bunch of bands and they're like, I don't want to play against this, I don't want to play against this, I don't right. want to play against this, and that's what they ban. And that's the thing, against CLG, that strategy is the most smart thing you can do. It is incredibly intelligent when your opponent, they have three ways to win. We can ban out two of them with one pick. Do it, just do it. It's, it's, it's not rocket science. And, and for CLG, Zix, man, I think you're a great coach. I have a huge amount of respect for pulling them. Uh, you know, when you guys were really struggling early on in the season, you pulled them back up. You've gotten them into a third place match. There's a very good shot that you guys will now go to Worlds because you did this. So shout out to you. You did, you did what needed to get done. I really hope you guys have a plan this week because if you get 3-0'd by Immortals, then you getting to Worlds is going to be a lot more painful than it is fun. And at the end of the day, that's what it really comes down to is 
you've got to sort that out because you're too one-dimensional as it stands right now. You are too easily banned out. And that's just not a way to go. And and for the record, uh, Huni, if you want champions to play, Nar, Gangplank, Aurelia, Echo, Kennen, Riven, Rumble, not the Riven, but all of the other ones you can play and you'll do just fine. That's where it needs to be. I, I hope that they do what needs to get done. This should be, this could potentially be a 3-0, but... I mean, do we like Immortals at plus 230 for the 3-0? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I think I think that's... I mean, it, it, there is a chance that CLG does win a game, but I those are really, really good odds for something that's highly likely to happen, and I'm almost 99% positive that Immortals 3-0 Team Liquid last split. They did. They absolutely yeah. did. So and Immortals... I, I, I truly think they just needed the extra week to prepare. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to is they they, they use the, the semifinals to test things out. And as much as, yeah, of course they would love to win the region, but they understand they want to qualify for Worlds too. So this probably puts them in a little bit better chance of qualifying for Worlds if they figure out what is good on the patch. Absolutely. And, and they now have a lot more evidence. They've seen what worked and what didn't in the Cloud9 series. And, you know, as angry as we got, you know, as angry as I got about it, and, you, you know, the more level-headed approach that you have is probably closer to what reality is going to be, just in the sense that they still battled Cloud9 to five games, even when I don't think they did a particularly great job prepping for this meta. That says mm-hmm. so much about the just individual talent and ability of this team and everything that they're capable of. And now that they do have more time, mm-hmm. a team like CLG that looked so lost last week, I just don't see them turning it around. Now, CLG thinks that Cloud9 is going to win this series against TSM, which I'm sure is not caused by any salt whatsoever about how that whole series went down. Walter... How do you see this series playing out? Afro, dude. <laughs> you and Mark just need to shut up. <laughs> like, I'm going to steal a quote from, from a, a League of Legends contemporary of ours. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote Sky Williams here for him. Oh, wow. And I know not, not everyone's a fan of Sky, Sky Williams, but he does have this one video that always sticks in my head. Uh-huh. And uh, just don't. <laughs> just don't. Just just. Yeah, so Aphromoo, yeah, like, you know. Wait, hold hey, on, Aphromoo. did Sky Williams copyright just don't? What is oh, that copyright? He didn't copyright it, but I just remember him doing a video where he's like, just don't. It's like, yo, Lisa, you, you want to you dive that tower on that queue and try and kick that full health six stat beast Cho'Gath into our team? Uh, yeah, you could do that, or just don't. <laughs> like, that's literally, like, the concept of the video. So Aphromoo, when someone asks you, like, hey, like, yo, you think Cloud9's going to beat TSM? Just don't. Just be like, oh, both are really do the do the traditional sports answer. Well, you know, both teams are really smart, and you know, they both have their 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 weaknesses that you can exploit. And uh, you know, if if we get good strong pick and bands, they get you know the, the champions that are strong right now. I think we'll be get in for a good series. There you go, PR. That's all you need. Afro and Mark need some PR training. That is what this comes down to. Get some PR training and just don't. Yeah, it's it's not this hard, Afromu. You were given, you know, we, we, we had this happen before where people almost turned against CLG right after you won last split because of the way you phrased everything. I, you know, some people just aren't good at keeping these things in 
and not letting it uh, affect them at the end of the day. It's you know what? It's fine for me because it makes for fun kind of banter. I love seeing the drama. If you haven't been able to tell by the entire rest of this podcast, but for me, I, my, my big question is: uh, Aframu comments aside, what does Cloud Nine need to do if they were to uh, upset TSM, who has been so dominant this entire split, who has dropped six games? over the course of this entire split, including the playoffs. What does Cloud9 have to do? Well, let's take three of those games out because they don't count because that team is not in the playoffs. So, sorry, Phoenix One. I know you, I know you hey, did beat hey, TSM, hey. but it doesn't, it doesn't really count. Just because, games, you put, uh, just because you put your, uh, you know, your... Uh, just because you put your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 I'm not listening, does not mean that series did not happen. If you're going to take off a loss... Take off the loss where you guys picked Timo because you were goofing around the last week of the season. <laughs> That's a loss Fair you can enough. remove. Fair enough. Fair enough. So three losses. And the loss to Echo Fox, too. Four losses. So four losses don't even count. Like, we've only lost one game to Cloud9 and one game to Immortals. Like, let's be honest here. It's great. Uh, <laughs> that being said, for Cloud9 to, to make the upset here. And I've been thinking about this for the last, like, 12 hours, 12, 13 hours, because Ryan Tang brought it up on Twitter. Uh, in in a discussion with someone else, like what does Cloud Nine have to do to win this series? Um, Impact has to be like Marin levels of good. Like he can't even be like season three world champion Impact. No, he's got to be like season five Marin levels of good yeah. uh, to win this series. They really have to shut Haunters down. They really have to get him off his game because he is doing so much for this team for it to be successful in terms of carrying. Um. And TSM, just the way they they weave who's carrying the team at any point in the game is just, it's meticulous, it's really well thought out, it's really well coordinated. Their their resource management is just incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just going to have to come down to one of these lanes for Cloud9 is just going to have to go off. And they're going to have to go off three times in five games. And it doesn't have to be all impact. Impact doesn't have to have have to have like three god tier games. It could be a game Jensen has a god tier game. It could be a game that Sneaky has a god tier game. Um, but Sneaky and Impact have not shown a propensity for doing that over the course of the season. They are very much like let us just play smart. Let's get through the laning phase and let's try and win everything in team fights. And when you're losing, when when TSM are losing first dragon and first tower, and they're still ahead because of just the massive farm leads that they're getting. That does not bode well. That does not bode well for enemy teams. Um, it, it's going to have to be the best, best you know, five game series that this Cloud Nine roster has ever played together yeah. in their careers. They're going to have to pull out all the stops. They're going to have to. Maybe they try to do the try to cheese TSM thing. Like maybe we'll see a zillion again from Jensen. Who knows? Like I'm just. I there is not. We've said before. Oh, there's not an easy path to victory. Like. There is not an easy path to victory here, and I don't want to evoke this in this way. And I'll get a lot. I'll get some flack for it. But TSM are running through through North America right now. Like Fnatic ran through Europe when they went undefeated, or like SKT has run through Korea at times in, in splits. Like or like how Immortals a- did it last split. Oh right. Man. Yeah. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> this, this is this is not. There is not an easy path to victory because TSM is just that good. 
they're they've been that dominant the entire season. And sure, they've had some moment of weaknesses. Every team has moment of weaknesses. When when New England almost went undefeated, they had moments of weakness during the course of that season. The Giants almost beat them in week 17. And having losses are, are is a good thing because you can learn from some of these mistakes. When you lose a game, you really focus on it and you look at it and you go, well, why did we lose? What did we do wrong? And they can really focus on it. Um, but the thing is, TSM has nothing to play for here. They have a cha- They have the championship that they want to play for, but Reggie has been very firm the last two years that, yeah, North American titles are great, but it's about a world championship. They're already in the world championships. They don't have a ton of pressure on them. Cloud9 has not secured a berth yet. If they don't win this series, they have to go through the gauntlet, which means they have to play against Immortals. They have a meeting with Immortals basically set up in that gauntlet, you know, in the final round. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot more pressure on Cloud9, and their players have to perform at a level that they just have not done consistently over the course of the year. Um, TSM are massive favorites to me. I have TSM at minus 350. Yeah, you're going to get this one, and with it the week... Here we go. Which, you know, we're we're getting to the point where you need every point you can get. It's 16 to 11 overall over the course. You've got to make up five. And we have regionals. I don't think I, I, don't think I can. I think, I think you've locked it up because I can only get two points for regionals. Well, here's so. the thing for regionals, though. If you remember, we make every game individually worth one because they happen staggered. Oh, so right. you get – so technically, you just have to go – uh, you know, you just have to make up five games with six left to play. Anything is possible, you know? And honestly, that's what Cloud9 has to believe. That's what they have to be saying to themselves every day uh, for the next week or so. But I said TSM minus 320. It is TSM minus 400. That is an 80% expected win rate for TSM. Totally fair. Yeah. Totally fair lines. Totally fair lines. Do we want TSM to get the 3-0 at plus 200? What's what's the one and a half for either side? They're probably going to be equal. Uh, n- no, they're not equal. Okay. Uh, Cloud9 plus one and a half. That would mean they'd have to lose 3-2 or win the series is plus 120. TSM to get the 3-1 or better is minus 156. Yeah, there's no value there. Yeah. I feel like we just have to go with a 3-0. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's going to be a 3-1, but a 3-0 is, is almost as likely to me. Yeah, I gotta, I'll put it this way. Um, if But we got both of these picks correct. It's going to be the most boring week of North American finals that we've had in a very long time. But... Honestly, there are two teams that looked so dominant over the rest of the league over the course of the regular season. That's kind of the way it should be. That's it, it feels like this is how it should end up. But you know what? Our feelings aren't what's going to decide whether these bets come through or not. Maybe we need a statistical look just to make sure that we're not losing our minds here. So to get that more analytical approach, we are going to pick up with our new favorite segment, Stats with Steve, Steve Kaffmeyer from Esports Fans, once again joining us. Steve, how are you doing, man? Pretty good. It's awesome to hear. We have just been breaking down everything that we're going to see in the North American finals in Toronto this week. And we want to make sure that we've got our heads on straight when we're looking at our smart money bets. And the first one is Immortals versus CLG. 
Now, you've broken down exactly how your model works before, but just uh, could you tell us what the model is saying about this series as a whole? Well, this, this, this time my model has a pretty clear and heavy favorite. Um, Immortals are currently at plus 6.8 by my model's power rankings, and CLG is just at plus 0.9. And so depending on red and blue maps makes a small difference in this series. I have Immortals at around minus 590 for the series. Wow. That is that is crazy. Do you yeah, want to just guess what the casino line is without um, looking at it? Uh, minus 425. Minus 323. Okay. Wow. This is, that, that is a 200-point gap between what the statistics model says and what the casinos are putting it at, which I guess makes sense if you look at CLG getting the typical CLG bump. They do have, you know, this is the playoffs, and they are just one split away from having won North America, but... I, I like your model uh, quite a bit. It makes me feel better about our smart money bet because we wanted to take Immortals plus 230 over CLG at minus 2.5 uh, with the 2.5 handicap. So what does the model say about that bet? Are we, are we taking some really nice odds on that, or is that not quite enough? Um, well, basically, the difference between the money line and the minus 2.5 are about the same, so it's... It's got Immortals to win three straight at plus 168. So a lot of value there, potentially. Wow. Well, I think so, so your model actually has worse odds for us for them to win three in a row than the casinos actually have. Yeah. No. Unicorn did us a favor. Yeah, Unicorn has, has what, what is it? It's plus, two, plus 230. Yeah, plus 230. So we're making more this, money yeah. off of the Unicorn bet than we would if we were betting against Steve's model, the casino. Which I think that might be the first time that's happened on an edition of Stats with Steve. I, I like this. <laughs> I like the way this is trending. Well, we can lock that in then, Walter. I feel good about that. I, absolutely. And, you know, Steve, seeing how, how highly rated Immortals is in this series, I mean, come on. TSM's got to be, like, what, like, plus 1,000 on your model or something? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, plus 8.9. Okay. Okay. So, so what, what does that translate out to, you know, straight up head-to-head matchup? Between TSM and Cloud9? Yeah. So Cloud9's at around 5.4. And so what's interesting about this series is my model predicts a huge difference between blue and red favoring red. Okay. So assuming, I think both teams will actually pick blue. And in that case, it has TSM minus 262. But if if TSM gets five red maps, it has the the series probability at minus 388. And then if TSM has all blue maps, it has the series at minus 200. So, again, just because this is fun for me, where do you think the casino put the line? Um, I think, I don't know, TSM minus 300? TSM minus 400. Okay. So even in your best-case scenario where TSM picks the side that's best for them all three games... It doesn't even get close to where the unicorn line is. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, TSM would have to pick the the map that's that's best for them, and Cloud Nine would have to pick the map that's worst for them. That's and, and even then, you said it wasn't quite minus four hundred. Minus three eighty eight. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's pretty incredible. Um, 
I'm guessing that's a gap just because of the perception of TSM with how dominant they've been. But that means I'm assuming your model hates the idea of TSM plus 200 over Cloud9 at min- with a minus two and a half handicap then. Yeah, it has that at plus 280. It would want to bet the other side for sure. So I guess it, here's another question for you then because you've got to try to find some value somewhere. What does the model think about this series going to five games? Because as much as we really like TSM in this series, the numbers seem to think Cloud9 has a good chance. You are correct that teams tend to pick blue regardless of whether it's in their best self-interest or not. And Cloud9 in the finals tends to be the best version of Cloud9. Okay. Let me... I think it has a chance to go to five games at around plus 206. Okay. We get a plus 220 on that. So we'd get slightly better than the casino of Steve if we were to do that bet. Walter... I know you love your TSM. I love TSM too. But the stats are going in the opposite direction. Are we staying or are we changing? Uh, I mean, we already we already said to screw it on the splice bet over in Europe, which go listen to the <laughs> European podcast and, and listen how we berate Steve for just being awful to splice. Um, yeah, yeah, for daring to pick the way the numbers say to go. <laughs> See, the, the, the feeling I have with this series is it's either going to be a 3-0 stomp by TSM or it's going to be a really hard-fought five-game series. Right. And if we believe that both of those are equally likely, then plus 220 is better than plus 200. Yeah, I, 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 I would go with Steve here. I think it's, I think it's a, a 50-50 shot of it be either being a 3-0 or a five-game five series. Or a five-game series. So, yeah, we go, we go five-game series. What? What line could I get on Cloud9 plus one and a half maps? Plus 120. Okay, my model has that at like plus 114. So I think yeah. about the same amount of value as yeah. goes to five. Yeah, it's about the same. It's the same odds with the exception of do you think Cloud9 is going to win outright? And I don't think Walter nor I have the confidence that Cloud9 is going to win the series outright. Nope, not DSM has been... Uh, too dominant so far. It would be a very massive upset, a very fun upset for anyone who's not a TSM fan. But no, I don't think we're willing to go that far. No, but you're wrong. Could... It would not be fun. Not a chance. <laughs> no. Sorry, did I say fun? I meant fun for me. No, those would... are two very different things. No. I suppose. Well, what's interesting are the implications to Worlds qualifying if C9 does win, right? Yes. Because that changes the uh, the look of the gauntlet a lot. Basically, yeah. the de- the ter- determination of the finals determine whether if cloud nine wins TSM and cloud nine automatically qualify. If cloud nine loses TSM and CLG automatically qualify. And then we, you know, either way to, you know, between the two of them and immortals is basically going to be the fight for the third spot. Unless Jinth ends up being some heroic player for team liquid, which as, as funny as that alternate universe would be, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and say that that's not likely to happen. But, Steve, do you have any closing thoughts for the fans while we wrap up this uh, this finals coverage? Personally, I'm I'm wondering if we'll see some of Bjergsen's zillion because that champion has like a 67% win rate but a super low pick rate. Mm. So, Well, we did see it this week. I think it's in play. I Can't think that... In the zillion. It's it's a genuinely wonderful pick in this meta. And 
I hope you guys think that this has been a genuinely wonderful podcast. If you do, you should definitely follow us on social media so you make sure to catch all of the news surrounding the pod. You can find me at RedshirtKing on Twitter. Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? You guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And uh, Steve, where can people find you for all of their fun stats-based knowledge? They can find me at CAF, that's C-A followed by six Fs. Awesome. Thank you so much again for coming on to the show. Stats with Steve has been really fun. We might bring it back for regionals. We'll see. It all depends. Maybe we can figure it out with Steve's schedule, but we really do love having you on here. Of course, you could also just follow the podcast directly. If you follow at Rough Drafts Pod, you'll get all of our live tweeting as well as any news as soon as a podcast comes out immediately. Uh, I'm sure you're going to want to hear Walter ranting about the finals as those go down live. So I highly suggest you following there. You also need to make sure to follow us on soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts or on iTunes. If you search rough drafts podcast, uh, you can subscribe on both of those places. Make sure you get every episode. Uh, we always really appreciate it, especially the little reviews on iTunes. It means a lot to us when you guys take the time to write one of those. You can also, of course, find us and so much more over at SlingshotEsports.com, our proud presenting sponsor. They've had so much great content leading up to these finals, so many interviews over in Korea by Andrew Kim, who just keeps putting out amazing content, whether it's Counter-Strike, whether it's any of the fighting scene games. If it's an eSport and you enjoy it, there's someone on Slingshot Esports writing about it and probably writing about it incredibly well. We are so proud to be sponsored by these guys, and we think you should definitely check them out. And come back next week. I don't know when the regional finals are. I believe it is the very next week. So we're going to be back, and we're going to be breaking down what happened at Worlds, and we're going to be breaking down a whole bunch of fun stuff when it comes down to how these finals turned out. So until next time, goodbye, Internet.